is Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny on the Revelations Radio Network. Podcasting to you from the foggy forest of Meadowdale, Washington. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Kilkenny. I'm from Hood River, Oregon, sipping some echinacea-infused tea. I'm Andrew Hoffman. Oh, echinacea to help with the throat for the for the show. Just trying to not get sick. That's uh, understandable. Kind of a crazy flu outbreak season. Yep. Did you hear? It's a Deadly outbreak? Uh, I heard that, yes. Did you hear it was the deadliest flu season in recent memory? Since last year? It's like 93 people or 33 people have died. Yeah. Kind of like 11 school shootings so far this year. If you actually look at some of the death statistics, not all because of flu. Ah, well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, uh, it's been a quiet, quiet week in the news. As always, <laughs> yeah. The yeah. Uh, I did want to I did want to point out a couple of things before we really get into the news. Uh, what's going on? We we have a couple of people that are pretty happy with us. We got some tweets. I don't know if you know this, but uh, uh, a pretty I wouldn't know if, if he's personally famous, but he does some famous work. A uh, cartoon artist for DC Comics. His name is uh, first name is Jason. I'm not going to necessarily say his last name because I don't know if I have permission to. I'm sure he wouldn't care. But he's out of Canada. He's a huge fan of our show. He immediately tweeted us that he had, you know, left the, our podcast in the uh, in the podcast app, and then you know the first day it was back out, he was like, "Oh my gosh, it's amazing! I'm so happy!" So, oh, um, nice. I'm I'm Facebook friends with him, so he's you're... he's pretty awesome. And uh, the great James Corbett also, I tweeted, you know, our, our Revelations Radio News Twitter account tweeted that uh, we had a show out, and uh, James Corbett responded, "Is this real?" <laughs> so he was excited, and there was a few other people, and even like our, I went and looked at just iTunes reviews because I haven't checked in there in a long time, and someone wrote a review that was. I don't know, roughly 50 lines long, and all it was was, please come back Aww. over and over and over and over and over again. And then, I don't know if it's the same person, but more recently, just I, I'm so glad you guys are back. It's great to hear your voice. So I just wanted to uh, give you, I, nice. I get a chance to actually read all that stuff and see it you know, coming in on the different Twitters and whatnot, and uh, I don't think that you necessarily get a chance to see that. So I wanted to... Uh, to let you know that that is uh, that's what's happening out there, and uh, give you encouragement for starting up the show again. Yes. So yeah. hopefully, uh, you know, apparently you're doing a good job cleaning it up and making it listenable. So Trying to do good so. Good work. Thank you, sir. And we even got one from uh, Jason. Uh, Jason says, "Hey, great to hear you guys again. No hard feelings at all, and the donations running over. I know you guys use them for good." My little girl is three now. We're getting ready for T-ball. Moving to Texarkana, uh, Arkansas last summer to be closer to work. Found a church, and I'm leading a Bible study this spring. 
good to hear you guys and your families are also doing well. So there you That's go. Awesome. And he's renewed his uh, subscription to donating to us. So, uh, oh, wow. you know, just, just so you know that we're getting some love out there already. Uh, this, uh, yeah, Jason, Jason, uh, said today I woke up, went to work, sat at my desk, ready to draw, looked at my podcast and <gasps> gasped a new RRN podcast. Is it true? Yes. And it's glorious. Thanks for the show. <laughs> Missed hearing you and Andrew. So, well, that's going to be my reaction if if Chris Wyatt ever pumps out another <laughs> podcast or Future Quake. Why not bring Future Quake back? I mean, it, it's not like he's ever actually going to publish the book, so he might as well bring back the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think the highlight of my podcasting career was getting James Corbett to actually chide him slightly. On the uh, when he when he actually interviewed Doctor Future on his podcast, oh yeah, <laughs> it's like towards the end, James is like, I would be remiss if I did not uh, mention that you were working on a book or a book yeah. series or <laughs> just writing all the words in the world at once and waiting until they're all done to release any of them. I wonder so, how many of our listeners, yeah. most of our listeners, should know. Like ice, I mean, you know, it was Islamophobia addressing Islamophobia, and ISIS is already like you know wiped out. It's kind of over. I'll be like, like, hey guys, you don't have to worry about the Muslims taking over everything. Like, oh, thanks. So so you're saying the entire books. No, I'm books, not saying. For the I'm book series might be already irrelevant? No. No, just would have been nice to put them out when they were written. <laughs> so. so, I immediately start the podcast, give you the, the positive feedback that I've been getting, and we digress immediately into giving Dr. Future a hard time. He doesn't listen to the show. I don't think he listens. Yeah, he does. To- yeah, obviously he doesn't listen. No, I don't yeah. think he listens to anything anymore. I don't know what he listens to, but... Uh, He's probably w- watching sci-fi, like 1960s sci-fi <laughs> movies. Down in his uh, his basement with all of his slot car tracks. <laughs> so you laugh, right. you laugh, but that's really, really, really close to true. And I, <laughs> I can also guarantee you that there is a... A television on somewhere in that house celebrating all of Nick Saban and Alabama's. Oh, no, he's not an Alabama fan, is he? Oh, you don't know this? I didn't, no, tell, you I didn't. Th- I didn't tell you this. Oh. So it's not him. His lovely wife, Ginger, is from oh, okay. Alabama and is a huge Crimson Tide fan. Like, they have houndstooth pillows at their house. She doesn't miss a game. Like, he said that it was the second most important religion in the home. So. <laughs> <laughs> she's pretty awesome well she should be pretty happy the last few years yeah no kidding yeah I didn't even know that we still played an Alabama related clip on the show a yeah. few years ago that's true yeah the dynasty will never die <laughs> you're the one that turned me on to Colin Cowherd for the first time I'm not sure what to say to you about this <laughs> so alright well should we get to our actual show I'm ready um, although I do want to say the, uh, some of James Corbett's recent stuff definitely worth checking out if, if people aren't, I'm assuming that you are, but if you're not, you should be. 
CorbettReport.com. Yeah, and it's on the oligarchs and all the related stuff. He's and really, big data. And he's gotten stuff. quite big. It, it really it kind of blew my mind the other day when a kid I used to, you know, ride my. I used to, I used to go over to his house and we, he had like a eighty cc motorcycle that we would ride around the neighborhood. This kid I went to high school with, or you know, grew up with, you know, posted on Facebook, of, you know, hey. You know, this is this is what your real status should be watching. It was a link to a James Corbett video, and I was just like, "Wow, this is surreal!" Like, <laughs> it's pretty yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. So I'll jump us in because I want to talk about this anyway. It's funny that you put this story in here mm. because I was actually doing my best to try and figure out what in the heck is going on with it all day today. Okay, can you guess which story that would be? Nope. Fitness tracking app accidentally reveals secret U.S. military bases, CIA black sites. So please, you're the better reader of the two of us. Tell us what they're saying over at Zero Hedge. I, of course, found it in a different place, but have thoughts on it as well. Okay. An interactive online fitness tracking map published November 2017, which compiles a running history of the location and routes of 27 million fitness device users has unwittingly revealed the location, staffing, patrol routes, and layout of U.S. and foreign military bases around the world. San Francisco-based fitness company Strava posted their global heat map to their website, containing two years' worth of fitness data across several fitness devices such as Jawbone and Fitbit. The map is not live, rather it is a composite of overlapping routes. In most urban areas such um, such as major cities such as New York... That's a very poor sentence construction, zero hedge. Strava's map appears as solid neon lights following just about every road on which one might exercise. Remote locations, however, such as deserts and places like Syria and Iraq, are almost entirely dark. Aside from clandestine locations where military personnel using fitness trackers are stationed, personnel in some of the U.S. government's most sensitive facilities have been unwittingly Uh, broadcasting sensitive information up to and including underground tunnels. Okay, so then this, um, a tweet from Lost Weapons. You can literally spend less than a minute on Strava's new data service and find sensitive sites. Nice patriot position you have there. Um, Which I don't think they even thought about this, to be honest. Like, I don't think the company thought about it. Um... At a site in northern Syria near a dam where analysts have suspected the U.S. military is building a base, the map shows a small blob of activity accompanied by an intense line along the nearby dam, suggesting that the personnel at the site jog regularly along the dam, Schneider said. This is a a clear security threat, he said. You can see a pattern of life. You can see where a person who lives on a compound runs down the street to exercise. In one of the U.S. bases at Tanif, you can see people running around in circles. All right, so what's you got a take on this? Well, there's there's more, but it, you get the idea. Yeah, but the it gets really interesting the further out it goes. Uh, yeah, my, my take on it, I actually have this app, the Strava app. You can use it for running. It's one of the only apps out there you can actually use for cycling data tracking. It just tells you how far you've ridden and how fast and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of crazy. I think you're exactly right. I don't think Strava had any idea 
what they were actually putting out there. Uh, but when people start to think about it and start to realize, hey, you know, this is a lot of times where people are running who were stationed in the military, uh, therefore you're revealing kind of sensitive information. Uh, there's some crazy stuff in there. I don't know. Uh, this is kind of a condensed version, but on Reddit, of course, people are going ham and they found a, like there was a, like two different spots that were quite curious. One of them is in the middle of it. Like there's a base in Antarctica. Oh yeah. There's a base in Antarctica, CIA black sites in Djibouti. Yeah. There's uh, and it shows where soldiers are running to, you know, stay in shape. And I think this is kind of the, uh, a symptom of big data, right? Well, there's, mm-hmm. there's so much data out there and that's kind of what we were talking about last week, that that's why this show exists and why that we're kind of in a glorious age of the internet where it hasn't yet been mined for nefarious purposes. They're still trying and trying to figure it out. But here, you know, you clearly have some stuff. Again, though, there's some weird artifacts in the data because there's a bunch of people who are saying, oh, my gosh, this has to be a underwater base just outside Japan because there's a like literally there's a bunch of these tracks <laughs> in the water on, in Japan, wow. out just outside Japan. So everybody says, oh, it must be underwater secret base. You know, that's where they made the tsunami to say, you know, to send to, to Japan. And they got this, you know, and they, oh, of course. Yeah. You know, cause clearly, if, if, leap. yeah, it's, I mean, if there, if there's an underwater track where people are running underneath the ocean, that's why the tsunami happened. I mean, I don't know if you know, <laughs> but it's simple, simple deduction right there. So I think some of it, I think some of it, actually somebody figured out it was mirrored information from a different part of Japan that had like somehow gone out. Some sort of algorithm was off or something like this. But, um, again, that being said, you know, seeing the spots around, you know, Navy bases and whatnot. And what was really fun is people on Reddit were taking snapshots of the Strata or excuse me, Strava version of like the heat map. Did you go on and look Mm -hmm. at the map at all or no? It's kind of, oh, just not yeah. the not the original. No, yeah, just it's kind of cool. It's pictures. In, it's of interactive, it. but you could zoom in and zoom out. People were taking like you know screenshots of what you could see in Strava, and then they would go over to Google Maps, and a lot of times Google Maps would have the exact same spot, but it would have literally like a blacked out square, mm-hmm. like it was a Navy base or a military base that was there was nothing there. So they were or a Google Data Center. Exa- sure, exactly. <laughs> but in, in one case, in the case in Antarctica, they actually you could actually see some sort of a long, strange runway on the Google Maps version of the data, too. So it was uh, kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I don't have a, a take one way or the other. It's just uh, kind of a fascinating time that we live in. Where, and it makes total sense, right? I mean, you get people who are... You know, like uh, the guy I sold a, a cart. You get a guy like that who's a contractor who's going to go out and be in these sensitive sites and is going to need to stay in shape, right? He is a operator. He is someone the CIA calls on or the Department of Defense calls on in different situations. He's going to want to stay in shape. But he's in tune with technology. He's in touch. He knows what's going on with stuff. So he downloads this app, you know, tracks his fitness. Hey, I ran this far. I did this. I did that. All the while doesn't know that, you know, he is... Uh, uploading data you know somewhere that could be used to identify military bases around the world um which i don't think should be there in the first place but and and the the overlays to to google earth which uh was started by a contractor with you know that was given access basically to military satellites sure and then uh it's clear that they've doctored a lot of uh, sites, and this actually this map proves it because you just spend a couple minutes kind of zooming in and looking at different 
different things, different areas, and you can find you know these squares around military bases. And it's weird. There's even a heat map that shows several passes through the White House. <laughs> yeah. So not not like this. Probably underneath. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> uh, not 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 that it's like super hot, but just like a couple times somebody has been through the White House, whether they have Strava turned on on their phone and then they're wearing a Fitbit app or whatever, but it's transferring the data back and forth. You know, even, yeah. even the White House isn't safe. It's you know, several people have gone through there. So, kind of a, just a weird time that we live in. You know, and I'm a I'm totally a, a user of these uh, technologies. You know, I I used I ran. I'm a runner. I you know I ran 100 miles last year. I ran 300 miles the year before that, and I checked most of that through uh, you know the GPS coordinates. It's super convenient, but it starts you start to wonder about all this information you're putting out there and. Other people were talking about not only the, the Strava identifying, you know, sites that aren't supposed to be known, but it also can, if you someone was to, you know, really dig down into the Strava info, they could figure out where a lot of people live, you know, because you start and stop at a certain mm. point where you run and, you know, a uh, fascinating part of uh, all this GPS data that we're using. Yes, and the unintended consequences of it, which... You know, the we'll, consequences we'll, of technology will only you're gonna write a book with that title, or <laughs> so it's the, the books have been written. Okay, okay, so there's a book titled The Unintended Consequences of Technology. Is that, this is what you're telling me? Uh, I don't know if it's got that title, okay, it's, it covers that subject, okay. Gotcha. Many, many uh, you know, going back to Elul. I'll Google that after the show. The Technological Society there. Well, uh, do you have any interest in this Andrew McCabe character? Uh, Actually, let's keep on the kind of technology stories. we got a couple more. Okay. So this story... Uh, Got a lot of hype when it came out. Um, Axios is a fairly new uh, liberal news organization. I forget where all their funding came from, but um, they pump out a lot of material. So it says, Scoop, Trump team considers nationalizing 5G network. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Trump national security. Security officials are considering an unprecedented federal takeover of a portion of the nation's mobile network to guard against China, according to a sensitive document obtained by Axios. Why it matters, we've got our hands on a PowerPoint deck and a memo, both produced by a senior national security official, which were presented recently to senior officials at other agencies in the Trump administration. The main points, the documents say America needs a centralized nationwide 5G network within three years. There will be a fierce debate with the, inside the Trump administration and an outcry from the industry over the next six to eight months over how such a network is built and paid for. Two options laid out by the documents, because these are the only two options. To, uh, you know, the U.S. government pays for and builds a single network, which would be unprecedented nationalization of a historically private infrastructure. Or two, an alternative plan where wireless providers build their own 5G networks that compete with one another, though the document says the downside is it could take longer and cost more. Argues that one of the pros of the plan is that it would cost less, cause less 
commercial disruption to the wireless industry than the government building a network. Uh, between the lines, a source familiar with the document's drafting says option two is really no option at all. A single centralized network is what's required to protect America against China and other bad actors. All right, yada, yada. Uh, so anyway, so the Trump administration responded and said they're not doing that. They're not building, they're not nationalizing the 5G network. Um, you know, they said basically it's under the uh, control of the FCC more or less. And, you know, their strategy is certainly more to uh, deregulate and get the government out of it other than rather than the other way around. So kind of a fake story. Well, it's not really a fake story. I'm sure there was someone in, you know, that presented this idea and said, we have to have a national um, 5G network to save us from the Chinese. Not sure how that works together. Uh, I guess China's stealing our Wi-Fi. Is that what the threat is? <laughs> the question that's not being asked is, hey, should we put up a 5G network? Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's uh, what are the long term health effects of radiation of a 5G network? Yeah, yeah, along with all the other stuff that's out there. I mean, it's but it's faster, yeah, but it's faster. Uh, okay, yeah, uh, because there's more stuff going on too, and it's um, I mean, the technology really is amazing because the, the you know the current wireless technology. There's there are you know limitations to what you can do as far as um, data capacity for for different types of connections. But there's already you know significant issues with interference and um, you know I work for a small ISP and every once in a while one of our backhaul links will have issues caused by someone else putting up a antenna at a frequency that they weren't supposed to or you know didn't get permission to use and what have you so um i think there's there's bigger issues than than china i'll put it that way yeah i mean this is something we've talked about in the show throughout you still a wireless free zone at your house there um, not entirely, okay. but, uh, it's definitely far away from the, the children, from the children's, <laughs> from the children's sleeping quarters and what have you. So sure. I've, I've been trying to switch it off at night. Just, just, to, yeah, you know, just, you... just trying to make sure. Um, but it's, it's hard. It's hard. I don't know if, uh, at this point, I believe that it's possible Wi-Fi could be safe for us. It's also totally possible that nobody has actually, you know, done any research and it's not. Uh, we're just kind of in this weird middle ground where, you know, I just don't trust that the government did all the testing that, you know, on things before it made it to... Uh, and your your phone should not be under your pillow, people. Sure. This is, this is not a good idea. Well, it should not be, like, on and next to your pillow. That's what everybody does, too. It's crazy. Everybody uses their phone as a uh, alarm clock because the alarms that are on there. Uh, I have to admit, I actually do the same thing. The only difference is, I actually, you know, I turn my all the cell Wi-Fi everything off before I go to bed. Hmm. So I just use so it's the, just an alarm. It's supposedly supposedly. I mean, who knows? But yeah, it's supposed to be just an alarm, so I don't get any. You know, 
Are you going to get the new Amazon Smart Alarm with the camera facing your bed? <laughs> what could go wrong there? Is, it, is that a thing? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, You're selling a Smart Alarm clock. Oh, um, so it won't stop until you actually stand up. I, I guess. As somebody who's a heavy sleeper, I mean, when are we just going to get? I mean, let's 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 be real here. You don't want to get up. I mean, come on. This right. is all it is. I hit snooze every morning like twice. I mean, I, I, I can't. I can't get up. I don't want to get up. I'm frustrated. The camera's not going to help me. I mean, you could also just, you know, why not just hook up a, a freaking uh, outlet to my bed? You know, just shock me out of bed. I, I just don't want to get up. That's the issue. <laughs> it's, or why not have an alarm that has a, a snooze button? Yeah, which I do use every morning. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's... I know I can snooze at least twice thing. and still make it to work on time. Which is giving myself a buffer a bit. I don't know. I'm Beware the uh um I always I always tease my wife. She works uh Saturday mornings. Okay. And uh has to get up fairly early for it. And I you know, I tell her, I'm like, you get one snooze. Like if that alarm goes off a second time I'm not setting the alarm as early next week. So well, there you go. It's mainly an empty threat. but <laughs> <laughs> So you wake up right away, just roll out of bed, and let her sleep when you go to work? Uh, the, it never gets to a, to a second snooze. I'll put it that way. There you go. There you go. Okay. All right. Here we are. Here I am, mediating uh, marital disagreements <laughs> live on the show. So... So should we even build a 5G network? But, it's a good point. So, yeah. And beware the uh, the products that solve uh, problems that don't exist, like yes. smart alarm clocks yes. or or basically any other smart device. Yeah. It's true. You know? That is true, my friends. That is true. Imagine if they had actually put all that uh, energy and money into researching phones that actually you know, cell phones that actually sounded good and worked reliably. (laughs) All right. I had one more kind of technology related story, uh, from the wall street journal. Let's see if it's a pull up. What about social media neutrality? Oh, Took the the words right out of my mouth. (laughs) It says, most arguments about net neutrality neglect an important reality. The internet most of us use is already far from neutral, thanks to the profit-focused algorithms and opaque content guidelines by which social media companies such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram govern their sites. Through these personalized online portals, we read news stories, share videos, learn about our friends' lives, and discuss social trends. But these platforms don't treat all content equally or distribute it fairly. Facebook and Instagram manage content in a decidedly non-neutral manner, using pay-to-play tactics that favor deep-pocketed advertisers and marketers versed in content targeting. Whereas some paid promotions reach millions of Facebook and Instagram users, these platforms' policies ensure that most unpaid content reaches few. Many Facebook users have seen the audience response for their non-promoted posts shrink recently. If your holiday post received half as many likes as in past years, it isn't necessarily because your content is stale or your friends have lost interest. 
Instead, the platform you use might have changed its algorithms to compel you and the entities vying for your attention to spend more on posts. Even if you're an amateur photographer or a recreational blogger, and particularly if you're a sole proprietor or small business owner, Facebook wants to convert you from an organic user to a paying customer who boosts posts and buys ads. Um, Then he gives a personal example. If you post a Facebook update without boosting or paying for it, the post may reach between 1% and 5% of the people who like your page. It probably won't be seen by anyone who doesn't already follow you on social media unless a bunch of your friends or fans or friends repost it. If you boost that same post for $10, Facebook will show it to hundreds or thousands more customers. Even then, your post could languish in obscurity. If it fails to meet Facebook's opaque content guidelines, which have been known to filter out innocuous uh, materials such as Christmas cards and names of certain cities, while allowing fact-challenge content from extremists to flourish. The visibility of, of posts varies tremendously depending on how desirable the target audience is to various advertisers. $5 might allow you to reach 50 big spending New England Patriots fans or 2,000 unemployed students. The cost to reach a particular audience shifts constantly and is not disclosed until after your ad has run. Facebook's non-neutral landscape is inscrutable and forbidding. Trial and error experiment to help businesses and nonprofits improve their return on social media investment, but many small entities can't afford to do market research. Some companies give up on social media advertising entirely if their first campaign fails. It's frustrating to learn that your value as a customer and your expenses as a marketer fluctuate at an algorithm's whim. goes on from there. So just uh, I think that's a valid point that like, hey, while you're worried about your Internet service provider, you might want to pay attention to who's actually controlling what content you see on the Internet. It's not the ISP. True, true, especially when it comes to Facebook. Uh, nobody, it seems like, uh, I, I don't see any, very many people's posts on Facebook that I used to, and I don't think anybody sees mine. It's weird. It's weird now. I, I feel like mm-hmm. you can actually sense that you're being shown only a few people's uh, information. And, and so the... Facebook has actually responded to that and said, okay, we're going to show you more of your friends and family posts, which I think specifically you have to identify people as friends and family. Oh, so I have to go in and tag that this person is a friend, this person is a family. Yeah, they want you to to tell them, like, who your cousins are and who, you know, you got to give them more information and then they'll let you see their posts. Come on. I mean, the FBI already knows all that stuff, really. (laughs) Can't they just cross-reference the FBI database and know who my brothers, sisters, and cousins all are? Come on. Yeah, you would think. Seems a bit redundant. Just like that. Each agency, even the Facebook agency, has to have their own own file on you, though. That Onion article, (laughs) that Onion article, or that Onion video that we've played probably a thousand times on this show. Not a thousand, but at least a few, where it talks about, you know, FBI is actually closing down a whole section of their surveillance due to Facebook. I'm Brooke Alvarez. Let's get right to our top story tonight. Congress today reauthorized funding for Facebook, the massive online surveillance program run by the CIA. According to Department of Homeland Security reports, Facebook has replaced almost every other CIA information gathering program since it was launched in 2004. 
After years of secretly monitoring the public, we were astounded so many people would willingly publicize where they live, their religious and political views, an alphabetized list of all their friends, personal email addresses, phone numbers, hundreds of photos of themselves, uh, and even status updates about what they were doing moment to moment. It is truly a dream come true for the CIA. Much of the credit belongs to CIA agent Mark Zuckerberg, who runs the day-to-day -day Facebook operation for the agency. The decorated agent, codenamed the Overlord, was recently awarded the prestigious Medal of Intelligence Commendation for his work with the Facebook program, which he has called, quote, the single most powerful tool for population control ever created. Among the biggest successes of the Facebook program is Operation Farmville, which the CIA credits with pacifying as many as 85 million people after unemployment rates rose dramatically. Other features, such as the suggested friends window have been instrumental in allowing government agents to infiltrate deeper into the friend networks of suspected dissidents. For some expert analysis now on the story, let's check in with the Fact Zone's first responders. Jason, you have written extensively about the Facebook program. Why is it so effective? Well, one of the key reasons is that the CIA has been so thorough in convincing the nation that constantly sharing information about everything that you're doing is somehow desirable instead of deeply unsettling. Yeah. You know, the critics are saying that with the national debt being so high, is this really the time to be spending even more money on spy programs? Well, actually, the Facebook program saves the CIA money. That's right. Uh, like the Maps application where you mm -hmm. list every place that you've been, whether it's at the state or a country. Or oh, right, with the little pins to show where you visited. Mm -hmm. yeah, yes, like that. that kind of information would have taken the CIA months of going through uh, hotel receipts and plane tickets to figure it all out. The, the manpower that Facebook saves is yeah, huge. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and the calendar feature even lets the CIA know where you're going to be in advance. So that's Right, uh, so now if they want to pick you up for questioning, all they have to do is see which events you RSVP'd yes to and then send their agents to be waiting for you. That's how they got my brother. Yeah. That's right. So effective. Mm -hmm. But guys, with all the focus on the Facebook program, is it taking away from some of the other CIA programs like the Twitter initiative. Oh, and, yeah, the funding for that should be cut entirely. Right, 400 billion tweets and not one useful bit of data was ever transmitted. Oh, that's true. Now, is this trend of social network information gathering dangerous? I mean, just last week, the New York Times revealed that Al-Qaeda has designed Foursquare to mm. identify popular locations for bombing. Well, actually, Brooke, that's been uh, discredited as any kind of real threat. The people that use that site are people that no one would mind seeing bombed anyway. Yeah, so, oh, really, the, the only okay. thing the CIA has to uh, be concerned about is people losing interest in Facebook and moving on to a new social network site, like the Chinese site Wanbi. I love Are you guys on Wanbi? Oh my god, yeah. it's so much more fun than Facebook. It, it is great. I love that one. I love that you can earn friend points, the more state secrets that you post. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a lot of contacts in the State Department. You know, I think I could really rack them up. You post them up. <laughs> I could. Alright, first responders, thank you so much as always. You know, I'm of course a big fan of any social networking site. It allows me to interact with my fans without having to see, hear, or smell them. Well, <laughs> so that clip is from 2009 and it seems more uh prescient than ever uh a couple things that didn't age well of course the farmville reference that the, the you know i don't think it uh, just insert candy crush ah yeah valid point insert candy crush and then uh yeah still it's even it's a little different now you know now there's snapchat and other things where people are just constantly not even really updating what they're doing all day or checking into a place. We're old now, Andrew. I'm not sure if you're aware mm -hmm. of this, but being on Facebook, talking to people on Facebook, even our friends who check into Facebook, very old. To be young and hip and trendy, you got to make uh, five-second videos of what's going on throughout your day. 
and then just post those. So and the, those are called stories. Yeah, those are stories. Yeah, put those I, put those on your Instagram, or you put those on the on the Facebook, or you put those on the Snapchats. <laughs> I've, I've never actually clicked on one of those. I've seen the seen the listings. There. Oh yeah, yeah, that's Facebook's like last ditch effort because they couldn't buy Snapchat. But most of the kids throw on Snapchat these days, and so they're basically it's just, you post a five second story, and you know, so it's over and over and over again. You get basically you know through a whole day, you'll amass like two or three minutes of of of. Uh, what you've done throughout the day. Mm. Yes. Awesome. It does. It is awesome. I'll tell you what, it's amazing. I had it for a while and, uh, I just deleted it. <laughs> it felt, it felt voyeuristic like many other social networks. So, yeah. uh, Twitter, I do think hilariously, uh, depicted in that video. Totally true. Not a single useful bit of information. Suppos- <laughs> supposedly tons of, al-Qaeda Twitter accounts out there that the government mysteriously just can't shut down. Just Um, can't do it. Yeah, all these hate Twitter accounts, you know, a lot of these people radicalized by different Twitter accounts. I think that's probably the only social media site that's actually helpful for spreading truth. But, you know, they've started to uh, jump the shark as well. They've uh, tripled or doubled their character count, which is kind of an issue. That was their whole thing. You only had 130 characters, and now you got 240 or whatever. And then... uh, yeah, and then now they're also taking ads and streaming video game or streaming NFL games and doing all kinds of other stuff. But uh, still not making money. Still, uh, no. Stocks, why make money? St- stocks still selling for tons, tons of uh, money. So I don't know what's going I, on there. Amazon's but. soon going to be worth a trillion dollars, even though they, you know, they make a few million a year. So. The amount of stuff I buy from Amazon is absolutely scary. This podcast is actually the MP3s now hosted on Amazon Cloud. Thank you, Dropbox. Dropbox got hip to my uh, plan and uh, realized that I was hosting a download site for for our MP3s, and they changed it. They wouldn't let that happen anymore, and so Mm. I'm having to host it somewhere else. And I went to go to a podcast hosting site. Was looking at the frequently asked questions on the podcast. Yeah, they're just turning it around from Amazon. Yeah, I already tell you that. Uh, Where'd you guess? Yes, but but really, there's only like you know, there's Amazon. You could get it from Microsoft. You could get it from you know a couple other places. But it's it really has been taken over by just a couple of. And Amazon being the biggest one, I was sitting talking to a customer yesterday or the day before. He does emails that go out from like, uh, let's say you bought. Pandora subscription and you get your email each month that says you've been charged your your whatever fee for having Pandora commercial free. He was his company basically formats and programs the, uh, the emails to go out for different services and whatnot. Mm. So I said, oh, okay, so we, where do you do that? We goes, uh, well, my company's in San Francisco. I live in Port Angeles, Washington. Talk about an amazing gig. He literally just wakes up in the morning, works remotely, and lives out in the middle of nowhere, Washington. Uh, nice. Around the water. Beautiful area. But uh, back to my point, uh, how do you do all that? Oh, you know, it's all in the cloud, Amazon. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. We gotta so got to get some steam going here. We, got, we, got, we haven't had enough sarcasm in this show. Let's... Uh, I'll I'll restart here since I was interrupted by your clip. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, no, I'm, I enjoyed it, uh, and I, it hasn't been a thousand times, maybe three times. It's a I'll good clip though, and it's even it, it is the onion. 
you know, I think it was Oscar Wilde that said something like, uh, if you tell people the truth, at least make it funny or else they'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. Or was that, was that also Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> uh, it was a, the cautionary tale about Twitter was from Abraham Lincoln. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the Andrew McCabe thing, what I was going to say is that kind of back in the day, you could trace everything back to the Kennedy assassination. Yes. And um, I'm throwing something out there that you can trace uh, a lot of the stuff going on now back to 9-11. 9-11. Which is kind of the, con- the you know, the, the big event of our of our time. Uh, do you happen to remember when Robert Mueller was named head of the FBI, Tim? Two days before 9-11. Uh, let's see. Confirmation vote, August 2nd, 2001. He was nominated in July of 2001. And so... so officially by. became the FBI director on September 4th, 2001. Oof, goodness. So the over-under, I'm off by five days. Yeah. <clears throat> So, um, you know, involved in all the post 9-11 stuff, um, wiretapping, terrorist surveillance program, um, all of that garbage. Then he, you know, goes into banking and helps uh, kind of clean up and, and cover up a, a drug uh, so he went from money one, laundering one scheme. One false flag to another. Yeah, and how did he get back in charge of going after Trump? So one of the connections was uh, obviously James Comey. James Comey was his deputy. Um, You know, they're great personal friends. McCabe is in there too. So you're seeing dominoes start to fall, but... Honestly, you know, part of the question I have is why is it such a big deal, right? I mean, yeah, you're a a Democrat whose uh, wife took $700,000 from Terry McAuliffe, who is like best friends with Bill and Hillary Clinton, um, you know, while you're working in the FBI, no, Donald Trump is not going to name you FBI director, which... Uh, remember there was all those news stories after he fired Comey. Oh, I, Trump expected to name Andrew McCabe as the next FBI director. He's the most qualified, yada, yada, yada. Um, so the, this guy, which um, Trump did not do, the guy he did name, though, Christopher Ray, was part of the Bush administration. Um, so I, I wouldn't exactly trust him either. Uh, let's get into a couple of these stories. So Andrew McCabe steps down. So they got this memo, you know, I, I predicted they would just keep saying that, Oh, release the memo, release the memo, not do it. The, uh, congressional committee has now voted to release the men, release the memo. And this is all in reference to the, what we, the story we covered just last week, uh, which was pod, the podcast, uh, which was uh, all the text messages that have been lost in the secret right. meeting and everything else, correct? Yeah, and th- this specifically has to do with um, 
FISA. Like the memo has quite a bit to do with FISA supposed violations. However, anyone who listened to this show knows that FISA is the biggest kangaroo court scam. It's got no teeth, right? That's what we've, we've covered that previously. Yeah, we we talked. I mean, years ago about how you know you can take like oh you know just random accusations, bogus stuff, and get a FISA warrant. It's not that hard. So this this whole kind of scandal that's developing is centered around um, the Obama administration getting a FISA warrant to spy on uh, Trump's campaign you know, before the election under the pretext of they must be, you know, Carter page being a Russian agent and, or the, um, the steel dossier, which if you look it up and read that, it's kind of like, uh, one of those documents you'll see on conspiracy sites where they cite like Russian scientists, you know, like the, yeah, you just like make up names and say they said stuff. Oh, I've got this source, and they told me this crazy thing. It's I, I've got a clip here from Judicial Watch. Maybe I should play that. Sure. Hi, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with some big news. President Trump is following Judicial Watch's investigation and litigation over corruption in the FBI, namely about the behavior of Andrew McCabe, the number two official at the FBI, who's been in a conflict of interest scandal as a result of his wife running for public office with the $500,000-plus assistance of Hillary Clinton friend Terry McAuliffe, the outgoing governor of Virginia. The president tweeted about this issue over the weekend. We're glad that at least one person in the administration is paying attention to this scandal that is engulfing the top leadership of the FBI. So McCabe resigned, um, well, or was removed. What's interesting on is the, the and the, what's yeah. interesting the president had actually sent out a tweet earlier. Was it last month? Uh, yeah, you, basically saying why is that guy still employed? Well, yeah, yeah. F- FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe is racing the clock to retire with full benefits. Ninety days to go? Question mark exclamation yeah. point. And so what he did is he. He's out, you know, whether he was forced to resign or just resigned. Uh, that's kind of being debated right now. But he just is using up vacation time to get to that date. Right. So, so he's he was, on he terminal was, leave. He was, the date was March. Okay, so the date for retirement is March. That's why the president tweeted out 90 days left, right, in yeah. December. However, as somebody pointed out on uh, Twitter uh, from Judicial Watch, timing of McCabe's departure is curious because literally this is the day that the House and Senate are voting to release information about FISA requests. Of course, mm-hmm. the official story, though, is just as you said, oh, he's built up a bunch of vacation time. He's going to burn it all from here and step down immediately. As yeah, if the plan wasn't for him to make it till March, cash in his vacation time, and get more, more money at the end for his uh, severance package. Yeah. Well, he should have plenty of Obama money. Obama... Clinton, Soros oh, money coming in. Oh, oh, <laughs> Woo! Do you remember that? Yes. It's been a yes, while. I do remember it's it. been a yeah. while. So the, you know, 
a question that comes up is why is it such a big deal? I mean, they, okay, you were a Democrat. Obviously, Trump doesn't really like you. Just retire. Take your government pension. Why are they acting like, you know, American democracy and the government's going to collapse if this stupid memo is released, which, you know, when people actually describe what's in the memo, it's basically stuff we know already just being, you know, saying, yes, this is true. Um, and kind of summarizing what they've been investigating. So I, th I think that part of the answer, um, let's look at, do you remember Cheryl Atkinson? I don't. Okay. So she was the uh, CBS reporter who um, said, you know, her stories would not get posted when they were critical of the, I believe it was, was the Iraq war, one of the wars. So she'd do all these stories, and if they were the least bit critical of the war in any way, they would not get posted by CBS. And um, uh, I don't want to totally go through the backstory because I'll get something wrong. Maybe I'm pretty sure it was CBS. She also talked about how uh, news organizations would take money from, you know, basically third world dictator dictatorships to present puff pieces on them. Um, and that's, you know, that's what usually with the PR agency in between somewhat scandalous when she did that, she resigned or when she talked about that, she, uh, she either got fired or quit. Um, but I thought this comment was interesting. So the main story is not, um, what they did to stop Trump. It's why. In commenting on the current brouhaha about the FISA memo and the violations of law by the NSA and the Obama administration, as well as the collusion of the FBI and DOJ to take down Donald Trump before he was elected president, investigative reporter and author of The Smear, How Shady Political Operatives and Fake News Control What You See, What You Think, and How You Vote, Cheryl Atkinson said that the main story is not about what they did to stop Trump to, or did to Trump to stop him, but why they did it. Um, so she tweeted out my take for what little it's worth. The main story isn't about what they allegedly did to try to stop Trump. It's why it's about what they feared Trump and company would expose. I think that will turn out to be the bigger can of worms. She was then asked, is the Mueller investigations real purpose to cover up the FBI DOJ mistakes attempting to bring down a sitting president? Atkinson replied, I think the better question is why some bad actors in, in the intel community were so panicked at the thought of Trump being president, they, um, bringing in people who would examine what they've been doing the past 15 plus years. She then added, um, disclaimer note, Mueller is not accused of any wrongdoing. Um, and then it goes back to the, the author of the article, not so fast, he stands accused of a lot of wrongdoings. Whether anyone has actually brought an indictment against him is something else. Recently acquired court documents indicate he was involved in a cover-up of Florida family ties um, of a Florida family's ties to, to some of the 9/11 hijackers. Um, furthermore, we know that a leaked cable from WikiLeaks that 
the State Department under, under Hillary Clinton was to have Mueller conduct a uranium transfer with the Russians in 2009 at a secret tarmac meeting, which occurred on September 21st, 2009. Um, Atkinson went on to tweet, it's fair to say there's panic among some bad actors within our intel agencies who are now pulling out all the stops to try to spin Congress and the media and keep from getting inside. That kind of panic to, can lead to mistakes being made. Um, Interesting to see open government groups and advocates pressing to keep the memo secret. This may be unprecedented, she added. Um, all right. So I did a little more uh, digging on the court case that goes back to 9-11. And so remember, I mean, Mueller <sighs> takes over the FBI right before 9-11. Um, and Obama, you know, kept him on a couple extra years beyond his uh, 10-year term. Uh, and he and then puts in uh, Comey, who, you know, was basically like his assistant, his deputy the whole time. Let's see here. James Comey, the guy who covered up for... HSBC for the money laundering, right? Isn't that wasn't that his previous job? Or might do I got my? Oh, I thought that was. Congress. Was that Comey or Mueller? It was one of them. No, it's Comey. Mueller began an external review. This is from his Wikipedia page of security personnel and management processes and practices at government contractor Booz Allen Hamilton. <laughs> After an employee was indicted for massive data theft from the NSA. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Booz Allen Hamilton, according to kind of the deep dive 9-11 researchers, uh, was one of the contractors involved in actually carrying out 9-11. Well, the sec the, no, not carrying out. To the security of 9-11, being in charge of security at the building. Well, but there's, yeah, there's other elements to that. Alleged too. elements. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm just saying, you can't, <laughs> you can't just say, like, you can't, like, Wikipedia, Booz Allen Hamilton carried out 9-11. You gotta at least uh, say what the official government position is. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, his, well, let's just say uh, Booz Allen Hamilton had more to do with 9-11 than Afghanistan. I'll put it that way. In the fall of 2005, Comey announced that he was leaving the Department of Justice. In August 2005, it was announced that Comey would enter the private sector, becoming general counsel and senior vice president for Lockheed Martin. Mm. Comey's tenure took effect on two, uh, blah, 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 serving capacity until June 2, 2010, when he announced he would leave to join the senior management committee at Bridgewater Associates, a Connecticut-based investment firm. On February 1st, 2013, after leaving Bridgewater, he was appointed to Columbia University Law School, and then he was appointed the, to the, the Board of Directors of the London-based financial institution of HSBC Holdings to improve the company's compliance program after its $1.9 million settlement, which we discussed on this show as a tax yeah. break, with the Justice Department for failing to comply with its due diligence requirements for money laundering regarding the Mexican drug cartels and financing terrorism. Since 2012, he has served on the Defense Legal Policy Board. And uh, his new job 
is teaching ethics and leadership. I forget at what school. <laughs> Which, is <awesome. laughs> Which is awesome. That is awesome. It's like no shame. I mean, people say Trump has no shame, which is, is true. But, man, the gall to have that job. Like, I mean, we're talking about a – I mean, are you done with this topic or you kind of have a point? Or are you headed towards well, a conclusion here? So, so the – I guess the the point is that there is something else going on that's sure. deeper. There's something bigger. What is everybody scrambling to protect? Why are people standing down? Why was the text message even sent in the first place? Oh, I thought yeah. I lost you for a minute. Did you, I thought you crashed. So, um, no. why was traffic problems email sent? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Where I sound like to are me. those text messages? Yeah, where are the text messages? Where's the memo? Where's the memo? Uh, Why was text message memos ever I think, sent? I do think it's interesting. Okay, on Fox News, they will say, Democrats paid for the dossier, yada, yada, yada. They will never mention the fact, after the original story came out, that all that got started with... Um, not just the newspaper guy that, that funded it originally, but it was linked to Jeb Bush. Like it was on behalf of Jeb Bush. Like this is, was totally, and then they passed it off to, to Hillary's campaign. So it's, it's a Bush Clinton thing, you know, all roads lead back to nine 11 and, um, Trump, it's not really Trump's policies. I mean, Trump's policies are not that, crazy it's not like having ron paul as president you know it's uh it's not messing with the federal reserve he's um doing you know protecting wall street so i think the that it all it all comes down to he's not in the club at some level you know maybe he is at other levels but something about trump and the potential people he would bring into his administration has freaked people out beyond and freaked the establishment out way beyond what is explainable by his actual um, political positions or political actions. Which, yeah, and people are definitely freaking out about it. M- MSNBC analyst claims conspiracies about FBI text messages could lead to violence. Oh, yeah. So if you even talk about... Don't even question these missing text messages. Right. Even saying there are missing text messages is... Oh, by the way, they did find them. You know, after we talked about last time how they're out there. Oh, they found them? Yes. Yeah. So now they're just, you know, trying to dig through and, you know, excuse as many as they can from having to turn them over. Here's how that goes. Hey, uh, Verizon, do you have those text messages? Well, are we still working on a 5G government-funded network <laughs> over there? No, it turns out we're going to shoot that one down. We think it's a bad idea. Yeah, I'm sure. No, I'm, sh- I'm sure we, we could find it. We might just give you guys a few billion to to sink into the project. Oh, oh okay. well, it's, well, then let, yep. in that case, let, let's get to work. Let's see if we can find some text messages. Around here. <laughs> so, yes, the NSA had them. I think the FBI still had them. I think the whole story was. You know, there some, was some official channel didn't have them. 
Yeah. And they announced that they didn't have them. And like, I, I think sometimes some people, people are so arrogant. They just think that that'll be okay. Like, oh yeah, we have, we have all the text messages from the last four years, except this 90 day period. It's not a big deal. Don't worry. Don't look at this 90 day period yeah. over here. It's, it's yeah. not, it's nothing. It's only three months. It's not a big deal. People think yeah. they can actually get away with it. All right. I've got, well, I, I, I want to, before we stop there, cause okay. you went into Clinton and you went into Bush and you looked at going as far back as 9-11. I watched a movie this last week, which was kind of unbelievable to me. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it's the new one with Tom Cruise, and he plays. Have you seen the the advertisements for this or anything? I may have seen the trailer for it. I'm not sure. He Tom Cruise plays Barry Seal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... So I, I haven't seen the movie. I we live in a strange world. Don't you remember, Andrew, like, I don't know, seven years ago when we started this podcast in 2011, talking about Barry Seal flying mm-hmm. drugs for the government in the 80s was like a conspiracy theory? Do you... I mean, yeah. and, and even further back, back in the early 2000s when that, the 9-11 stuff was just starting to come to light and YouTube was a new phenomenon people were talking about hey did you know that there was this guy who worked with the cia named barry seal and he would go to mena arkansas and was flying drugs back and forth for the contras and was involved it they literally covered almost everything did they cover clinton's involvement the crazy part is they did not a ton but yeah let me tell you the only thing they did that i didn't like that I notice, and I'd love to hear James Corbett. James, this is probably the perfect, uh, uh, what is it, the books in, uh, what's the name of that podcast? Movies and Books. He's going to kill <laughs> No, not Movies and Books. <laughs> Whatever. So, the one that you've literally Film and on. Literature. Film, Literature, and the New World Order. Yes. Okay, so here's what they do. Literally, Barry Seal's contacted by the CIA, recruited. They show it. Straight up recruited, okay? He's just a hotshot pilot that gets recruited. The CIA wants him to run guns here or pick up people here or drop this off here. And then at one point, this is how they did this part. At one point, Barry says, you know, I'm going to need more money. I got a family. And the guy says, oh, don't worry. You'll figure it out. And so it's kind of like look the other way while you make a bunch of money, you know, transporting cocaine back and forth because we won't care as much. Right. Uh, but, you know, whereas I believe that they probably did not only cared, but also wanted him to, to fly that back and forth as well. But they literally would just like give him all the intelligence information on all the different drug investigations that were going on in the southeastern United States. And they just gave him this entire dossier. And it's like, OK, so that's what's happening. So just fly your planes low and avoid that. And then he would just fly all over the place. Um, hmm. It literally covers him one day getting taken out of jail in like Guadalajara or no, I think it, this was in Nicaragua. He ends up in a small prison in Nicaragua. Some CIA guy shows up, comes to get him, says, hey, you got to come with me. Ends up going all the way up to uh, the White House. It's in the White House. And there's an argument about how we're going to get uh, money to the Contras and how we're going to get weapons to the Contras. And he's and they, yeah, like, you know, this is like this like a third person moment where they look at him, look at Tom Cruise and they say, you know, how you're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> 
It's like, I'm the gringo that always delivers. You know, they always, you know, anyway, it covers all of that. So George Bush is in the room for that. It covers him talking about Iran-Contra and how to get money back and forth to that. Even to the point where he gets arrested, okay? He gets arrested (laughs) because he crashes a plane full of drugs. You know, he gets pulled over by the DEA. On the plane, they have they have to land it. They search his plane. They find tons of cocaine, you know, money, drugs. The ATF is there. The FBI is there. The DEA is there, and and uh, even the CIA. Or it wasn't the CIA. It was somebody else. Some other three letter organization. They're all there. The rate. Oh, it's the state police, and they're all arrest him. Okay, they drag him all the way down to the courthouse, and he's sitting there, and he says. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna walk right out of here, and they're gonna. They're all like, "No, you're not. You're going down. You got." Da, 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 da. <laughs> and he goes, "I'm gonna walk right out of here, and there's nothing you could do about it." And this lady walks in. She's all mad. She's like, "I'm ready to, to, to take you down." And she's like the state attorney or something like that. And this lady comes in. She says, uh, uh, "Ma'am, the governor's on the line for you." She's like, "Tell him to hold." And she's like, "No, he said it's emergency right now." She's like, "Okay." So she goes in the other room, and she goes. Yeah, Bill, what do you want? <laughs> and then they said, what? No, they just say Governor Clinton's on the line. Governor Clinton's on the line. She gets on the phone. Bill, what do you want? And sure enough, Barry Seal walks right out. So, I mean, yeah. that's mainstream media. The Bush is involved in sitting in the room to get them to take money from Iran-Contra and, and fly it back and forth between Colombia and Cuba right. and send the money, send the guns to Nicaragua and bring the Sandinistas back and train them in Mina, Arkansas. Bush is in the room for the plans. Clinton gets him off when he gets arrested. Mainstream media. Yeah. But what, I mean, I don't, I, I'm so confused. What world do we live in now where that's not a conspiracy theory, yet half the country still voted for Hillary Clinton? Like, I don't, I just, I'm struggling here. Like, what is happening right now? <laughs> well, I, I couldn't believe that movie. I turned to my wife at some point. It's, she knew what kind of movie it was going to be right away because I was going to raise my hand or point at her or say, hey, objection here, objection there. This is not how that happened. <laughs> and she kind of rolled her eyes at me like she usually does, lovingly. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't have a lot of objections to this. I mean, the, yeah. it seemed you know, pretty realistic. So uh, any thoughts on that? I mean, where... Is this the externalization of the hierarchy that James Cor- or that Frank Lordy and Chris White talked about, but not the spiritual version? Partially, I mean it. It is at some level just a movie, right? I mean, so as so accurate as it one, might be, I'm the only one watching it. Go like already knew about well, this information no, you, beforehand. You and other people who, who already knew it. I think people who don't know it are watching it and being like, oh, oh man, awesome movie. Yeah, Barry Seal's a cool dude, bro. Can you imagine if he had really talked to Bill Clinton and George H.W. Bush? That would have been crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so it just puts it in their brain like, hey, it's possible this could right, happen. It's just, well, it's just fiction, yeah. But <sighs> Okay, so that's I it. think if you, if you didn't have the... You know, if you didn't have the background knowledge, it wouldn't have clicked in the same same way. Not that I'm saying... Uh, sure, so hiding out in the open. Y- yeah, or just, you know, I think the filmmakers might have been trying to expose it, but it's not... Uh, you know, I don't really have a lot of faith in Tom Cruise uh, spreading the truth. Oh, no, about no, the world. no, 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 no. This is a whitewash of some sort, but I just don't get it because it's very accurate. Yeah. It just, 
uh, no, 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 no. I'm not, no. My wife and I both have, have marveled at the fact that we both cannot stand the person who is Tom Cruise, yet enjoy his movies because he's a good actor. Mm-hmm. So, no. It's, uh, well, at least he's anti-Big Pharma. Yeah, that's 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 one thing to go, you guys got going for him. It's one one thing the Scientologists have going for him. Don't be so glib, Andrew. Common ground. All right, I've got oh, did one you, more. Did you pick that up? So did you, I have. You didn't take that personally. Did you pick that? Pick up what I was throwing at you there. Don't be so glib. Yeah, he said that to no. Matt. He said it to Matt Lauer, and Matt Lauer was questioning him about his use of. Oh. Uh, well, if you're if you're depressed, people, depressed people should take uh, should take medications. And he's like, no, no. You don't have to take medic. Don't be so glib, Matt. <laughs> How'd that work out for Matt Lauer? Well, uh, <laughs> remember that's another thing the I want to talk about. The Hillary takedown. That's another thing I want to talk about. Hillary's tweet, or no, it wasn't a tweet. It was a uh, like a quote that somebody from inside the campaign. Uh, yeah, came, it was came out says if uh, Trump gets not a hundred percent. Verified. Sure. But. If Trump gets elected, heads will roll. Our, our no, our our necks are all in a noose. Yeah, we're, we're we'll all be hanging from nooses. We'll all be hanging from <laughs> nooses, which sounds like something she would say as knee deep as it, she was and everything. It does, but that's also the same kind of stuff that you know gets put in the fire and fury book, where it's like, yeah, it sounds like something that person would say, but it's really not. Uh, well, it, I mean, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. Who, but didn't she, didn't she also say in the same rant that Matt Lauer's going down? Yeah, Matt Lauer went down. That's true. Yeah. Well, I have a good yeah, and, and, and also a lot of things. Now that sorry, I just want to backtrack two seconds real quick. It wasn't completely accurate. I had to point out to my wife that this uh, airport that that uh, that uh, Barry Seal owned in Mena, Arkansas. You know, had a lot of bodies pop up around it. Kids that were playing on the railroad tracks who may have seen something they weren't supposed to see. You know, none of that stuff was actually covered, mm. of course. The that, kids that committed suicide by tying themselves to railroad tracks? Yes, that ex- those yeah. those kids that are on the Clinton body count site. You know, there's a lot of Clinton body counts back in Mena, Arkansas in the early, to- early shoot, 80s. Uh, so that stuff, of course, was not covered. So let's just let's let me just clarify that it, not everything was covered. Yeah. Sorry. So my my confession. I'm ready. Is I have grown to appreciate Ann Coulter. Oh, wow! This was this was like this is unexpected. This was you know one of the worst of the worst back in the. The Bush era. Well, thanks for the, uh, thanks for uh, coming out with that admission, and uh, <laughs> now a few words from our GOP sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, but I think part of it was I uh, didn't read a lot of her writing. It was mainly like um, kind of liberal media translations of Ann Coulter. Yeah. Uh, They've not so, been too kind with her. No. So I enjoyed this article because it is about a mutual enemy. Uh, and that enemy would be Lindsey Graham. Ah, oh, Lindsey Graham. Thank goodness. Yes. So what, one of the two. On. Yes. One of the two, uh, along with John McCain, the ultimate New World Order senators, Lindsey Graham and John McCain. 
So it is titled, Lindsey Graham, the Uninvited Guest. Why does Senator Lindsey Graham have a seat on the table at the table on immigration? Are Jorge Ramos and Vicente Fox unavailable? Graham's claim to fame is, number one, having twice negotiated a voluntary surrender for the GOP on immigration, and two, winning 0.00% of the vote when he ran for president two years ago. You could run for president on the platform that we should kill babies and eat them, and you'd get more votes than Lindsey Graham. Who designated this most remote of backbenchers, thoroughly rejected by the American people, as the principal negotiator on Trump's central campaign promise? Graham's thought process seems to be, we had an election, I ran for president, literally no one voted for me, so my views should prevail over the guy who won, an elect- who won the Electoral College. How about getting Dennis Kucinich in there? Has anyone asked Martin O'Malley for help in the DACA negotiations? To a rapturous media, Graham has been peddling the lie that President Trump blew up a beautiful bipartisan deal on immigration. It wasn't bipartisan except in the sense of being angrily rejected by the voters. It's the same deal that has gone down in flames at least twice before. The same deal that already destroyed the careers of Senators McCain, Rubio, Flake, Corker, Iote, Kirk and Governor Jeb, and she puts the exclamation point in there, <laughs> Bush, <laughs> which is a reference, of course, to his awesome campaign signs. Uh, it's the same deal President Bush tried to push through Congress in 2006 with Graham's support, leading directly to the Republican wipeout in the midterm elections that year. Please clap. <laughs> Please clap. Uh, it's the same deal that, okay. <laughs> Uh, it's like negotiating in the Kasbah. Democrats, we demand $30. Republicans, we'll give you 10 Democrats, okay, $200. Lindsey Graham, deal. <laughs> How did an exodus, existential issue for the Republican Party get assigned to the single worst person to negotiate it? All right, so it goes on from there. But I, I enjoy any Lindsey Graham bashing and... A day later, he was removed from uh, the DACA negotiations. So, so, someone was listening to Crazy Ann Coulter. Did, did you have any other stories you wanted to read from any other GOP think tank leaders? Or <laughs> um, <laughs> from anyone else who wrote, uh, like, in Trump we trust. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I haven't ever really read Ann Coulter's work myself. It's, is check it, it. Check out her. Uh, check out Ann Coulter's Twitter account. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I should. Uh, I'll follow. She get, She her most common post is uh, border wall construction update. Miles can. Or miles of wall constructed so far zero miles constructed today zero next update tomorrow <laughs> she's she's not happy with the lack of the building of the wall so hmm okay what what's your thoughts on the wall well you can either have open borders uh, or you can have you can get away with having a welfare state, but you can't have both. So the people that say, "Oh, Statue of Liberty, yada yada yada," that's fine if you want to go back to 18th century or 19th century America, 
no Medicaid. Mm. Okay. Interesting. No social security, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no welfare, no nothing. Leave it to the churches. So if you, uh, you know, no, no minimum wage. So if you want to do all that and have a free society where people, um, you know, that want to work hard, come there. Uh, but there's no motivation to go there to come to the country and do nothing. Then by all means, that would be just fine. No need for a wall. If you want to maintain, um, all the social programs, you, you have to have a secure border. There has to be a, or you, or you don't have a amount of customers. Yeah. I mean, if, if you, um, or without a, a border, you don't have a country. So, no borders, I, no nations, buddy. <laughs> no nations, no borders. Uh, just one world government. Uh, you know, it's it's part of the globalization thing too. But yeah, I mean, if you want to repeal all government programs and shrink it down to a, a constitutional size, then yes, let's go back to Statue of Liberty because. When we put the Statue of Liberty sign up there, um, you know, we needed our pennies a day factory labors for the Industrial Revolution. So, hmm. interesting. Come put your come put your eight year old to work in the meatpacking plant for twelve hours a day. So, hmm. What was the name of the famous meatpacking novel? I know what you're talking about, but uh, the jungle. Yeah, the jungle. There you go. So it was during that time period. Yeah, that might have even been a little later than, you know, true Statue of Liberty. But so just to to go back to what you're saying there, uh, government programs all working great. Homeless problem, not an issue. Everything's going good (laughs) because all these homeless, you know, programs that we have, all this government, you know, funding. Immigration, let it, let them all in. Yes, it's good. Well, I don't think I don't even necessarily that's say it's all immigration. I think that the I'm I'm saying that these programs aren't working. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah. You got no, a homeless I, problem I think down there. You live in a really awesome area. Sort of. I mean, I did too. I lived in a town that was similar in Edmonds, and and now I just live just north of there, so I don't have to deal with it as much. But Seattle as a whole, the the Puget Sound area, we have a serious homeless problem. Uh, when we lived up in Yakima, yeah. they had a homeless, um, pretty large homeless shelter, you know, very well-intentioned. Um, and so surrounding towns would just ship all their, <laughs> give them bus tickets to Yakima, Yeah, you know? So then it gets to the point, I mean, it wrecked, there were hotels next door that get basically run out of business because of it, because of issues that came about from having a homeless shelter next door. Um, so there's, it's a very difficult thing to, to deal with. This, this last week on NPR, they talked about <laughs> one of the homeless problems around the country where they take bus tickets, cities will take bus tickets and send homeless encampments to another town. I was back within three, four days. I just, I know I figured I didn't get yeah. nowhere else to go. I'm going to go back where I'm used to going. Yeah. Uh, same thing. I mean, they do the same thing with people released from prison. Oh, here's a, here's a bus ticket. Go to, 
go to Seattle or go to Portland or go wherever. It's weird they so, end up back in prison there. Huh? Yeah. No safety net, no place to go. If only some yeah. major religious figure had said that we should take care of people that were down. Yes. If only, if only someone and, had said such a thing. Well, yeah, you know, it's almost like someone did, um, but I don't remember him saying, uh, hey, don't worry about it, don't worry about your neighbor, uh, but you really need to be committed to government programs to take care of your neighbor. Don't worry about it. Just the vote government for high take, taxation. The government will take 35% of your income and help. they'll take care of them, them poor, poor people. Yeah. So... No, it's a it's a sad. There's no winners. I mean, it, it. I believe that it was, and is, you know, part of an, a globalization agenda designed to drag down Western countries, um, not really even raise up the third world at all. To actually, to keep them hold up and um, drag down. I mean, look at the places we intervene; they don't get better. I mean, they're they're not building big power stations in in Africa right now. Yeah. It's like, oh no, it, it's wonderful and green and but Libya, don't worry, oh, we'll we'll ship you some food aid, and uh, yes, that'll wreck your local economy and wreck the local farmers and make it so they're starving too. Uh, but we'll we'll just keep you know having Bono sing to you and bring you food, and uh, just you know don't develop any industry here. Yeah, but look at Libya. Um, I mean, no, Syria. I mean, <laughs> Iraq. I mean, Afghanistan. I mean, Korea. I mean, Vietnam. And whatever you do, don't t- take any of that Chinese money. No, for sure. Look, look <laughs> at all of Central and America. Yeah. I, I like the uh, beautiful picture of uh, Venezuelan beach. Mm-hmm. It said, like biggest oil reserves in the world um you know the other uh, great natural resources that are there add a little socialism and and then it's got like a modern day you know picture of the streets there where people are um eating stray dogs and stuff to stay alive it's a it's a nightmare Sure, sure. All right, Clinton Obama email is key to understanding why Hillary wasn't indicted. What's going on here? Well, that's part of the um, the kind of kind of yeah, tracing it all back. The reason that um, the the article makes the the case that the reason um, the Justice Department, the FBI, were under so much pressure uh, and handled it in the way they did uh, to to you know, say, oh, Hillary did nothing wrong was because Obama had lied about it. He had said, oh, I found out about Hillary's private server on through news reports when in reality he was communicating with her um, using a, a pseudonym email address. So <laughs> um, was it Times Square 63 at Hotmail? I, I think it was. Uh, best prez ever. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> number number one POTUS. Yeah, number one POTUS. Not Obama. <laughs> he's, 
sharpshooter. This is in not. Chief. This is not Barack Hussein Obama. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> three point king at POTUS. Yeah. <laughs> you know that's it. people. People are just comparing the uh, the number of rounds played. I. This is a. It shows you know the the bias of the media. They're oh you know. A, Trump is playing more rounds of golf than Obama did. Well, no one's pointed out the fact that Trump, for a supposedly, you know, dying, unhealthy, 400-pound, 71-year-old man, he's a 1.6 handicap. What does that mean to uh, the layman? So that means... uh, The guy can golf. So out of your last 25 scores, you take the average of the best 10 of those scores uh, compared to the course rating, which um, – and then that's your smokes. handicap. That's what a handicap is? So out of his last 25 games, he's 1.6 over So he, he regularly shoots uh, in the low and mid-70s is what that means. So at so he probably can shoot his age at seventy one years old. That's impressive. You know, it, Obama. We we remember like the stories about Obama being so cool and he played basketball. It, the worst looking jump shot seen, I have ever seen. Have you ever seen his golf swing? Yeah. No. Someone snuck footage of him on the driving range. It was unbelievably bad. But not like, Charles Barkley bad. I believe like, uh, I've, I've, I'm having deja vu. We've definitely had this conversation before. Well, we had the conversation about Trump being a bad or Obama being a bad golfer, but I'm just saying Trump deserves some some credit for being. He might be the best golfer in U.S. president's history. No, Andrew, he's terrible. <laughs> he's, he's terrible, at, terrible everything. at everything. I heard when he was on the course, he was t- just being rude. About women and telling people he was golfing and saying he was going to take away transgender rights. Yeah. And he, the lady brought him a beer and he said, that's all women are good for. He's a jerk, Andrew. Probably. And anybody who knows golf knows that that's all that happens on golf courses. And he owns a bunch of golf courses. Oh, Rah! Think- Rah! Yeah. <laughs> we should give a disclaimer. You golfed uh, in college, so. So you know, oh, a little bit I'm a golfer. It. Yeah, he's a, a golfer. You still golf? Yeah. Trying to get well, out. Well, not not this time of year, but no, sure. Yeah. Still pack Northwest. You can't golf right I, now. I joined a bowling league, though. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, this is. Well, I don't see a story in the Insta paper about this. <laughs> yeah, been bowling teams. The bowling team's not doing too well, but I have had a a couple. Of, Couple games in the two thirties, which is my wow, my lifetime best there. So. Am I the only one around here who cares about the rules? <laughs> you could just cut the last ten minutes off the show. It's okay. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's a Big Lebowski quote. You never seen the Big Lebowski, have you, Andrew? Oh, I think I did. Back, oh, okay, way back, back in the, in the day, no, during, no. during that four-year period of my life when I watched movies. Oh that, yes, yes, yes. Was that when you were in Korea? In college, yeah. <laughs> oh, college, yeah. No, by Korea, it was all... Um, Podcasts. Podcasts, and then I would get up at like four in the morning to watch an Oregon Ducks game. 
football game on the on the internet because that was about the time difference. But. Sure, I remember watching the Sooners only national championship of at least my adult lifetime from uh, a boat in the middle of the ocean at four in the morning. So I'm right there with you, buddy. Uh, oh, didn't they didn't they win it this year? Oh, wait, sorry. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> No, this they was, should have won it. If they, you let Baker Mayfield be Baker should have Mayfield. won this year. It was our year. This is the time for us yes. to win, and we still figured out a way to freaking lose it. <laughs> let's let uh, we've got the Heisman Trophy winner quarterback. Um, let's <laughs> we run a best... couple of stupid plays in overtime that don't involve him at all, and see if that works. Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Quite possibly the best offensive coordinator in, in college football. Quite possibly the best offense in college football history. Let's just run three straight runs up the middle. What do you say? I mean, there's <laughs> no need to go for broke at this point. Let's let's go into double overtime against Georgia. Why not? Yeah. Unnamed second Las Vegas massacre suspect who occupied room Mandalay Bay 32-134 exited out of hotel room door to make their escape. Do what? So, one of the inconsistencies with the story... Suicide, he, killed by people coming in, the door was open, the door was closed, he barricaded himself, right. the footage was released, there's no shell casings on the floor. Which one? Which inconsistency? <laughs> the, the one... This is the locked door. Ah, issue. the locked door issue. Door's locked, door's not locked, he busted it in, it's wide open, it's, yeah. a, it's a jar... So they say it was dead. The door was dead bolted at 9:46 p.m., which was 14 minutes prior to the first volley of automatic gunfire. Um, it was dead bolted from the room that Paddock's body was not found in. So he had to, and there were there was at least one shot fired out of that room. Um, so if it was only Paddock. Um, which I think it very well might not have been him at all, other than having his body dumped there. Um, the only one not shooting at JFK was Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> Pretty much. Sorry. But, well, or, you know, maybe it was him and other I'm people. So, I'm but, sorry, yeah, yeah. But uh, he either had to have gone out in the hallway, which, remember, we have the hero security guard out there. Who no one knows. Uh, and he... Uh, had already done like his barricade of that front door. So either took that all down, went around, went back in the other room, you know, fired off a few rounds from there and then came back out in the hallway um, rather than just walking through the interior door, which he would have been able to unlock from that side. Or there was another person involved. Wow. And so this article is saying there was another person? Yep. I have a counter theory. Hear me out. He th- he thought the door from the outside you have to push it, but it was actually a pull. So he had put the the chair up against the door, and then the guy just walked up and opened it, and it fell out the other way. It was a deadbolt, though. <laughs> I know. I'm just messing around. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you ever see a kid try to that, barricade a door and they put the the chair on the wrong side of the right. door? Well, but then if you um, <laughs> I'm totally joking, you know those uh, hotel doors if they're the ones to the hallway, those can easily swing shut and lock. Yes, you know supposed to. Yeah, 
Um, but not the interior door like that. You can't pull a deadbolt from the wrong side of the door. That's right. That's true. So that's just, you know, one issue. I, I, it felt like we might not have covered that previously. So okay, well, good to get it. Good to get it out there. Um, well, that's it. Without any that's further, it. without any further ado, Andrew Hoffman's words of uh, wisdom for the week. Uh, don't trust devices meant to solve problems that don't exist. It's pretty good. It's pretty solid. It's good advice. Because you you might just end up uh, providing information on secret military bases to the enemy. That's <laughs> so good. I'll prov- I'll provide a link to the uh, Strava Hot map on the on the show notes. I encourage people to go check it out. It is uh, it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Check out the underground base. The new the, check out the underground base where they make the earthquakes that make the tidal waves off the coast of Japan. <laughs> the only possibility. So I mean, there's a couple guys <laughs> running laps in the middle of the ocean. Must be. That's it. Could. Uh, what about a submarine? No, <laughs> too big, too big. To the too la- big. the laps are too big. But yeah. while you're saying while you're saying that though, <laughs> if somebody was on top of uh, a carrier, you could do it. Oh yeah, aircraft carriers are big enough. For yeah. sure. If it stayed in one place for a while, you know, to, to show the heat map. But, right, to show the GPS. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll try and get this out sometime before the next time we do a podcast. Now I'm going to get it out soon. I'm going to try I'm going to cut my, 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 da- my time in half this time. The other one was out within a day or two. So All right. We stack All two right. right on top of each other. We'll, we'll keep them coming. And we'll uh, hopefully get some more of that positive feedback we've been getting from all the different channels. Always good to hear from you guys. Andrew, just a uh, programming show note. We lost about half our listeners, maybe a little more. (laughs) Which has to be expected for uh, taking a full year off. That's not bad for taking a full year off. Yeah, you're right. For for taking a full year off, it's not too bad. You You need more people like me that don't erase the podcast subscription. And less people like you that have they don't put out a podcast in a while you just delete it <laughs> so yeah i guess that's i guess that's true yeah uh, all right well have a good week out there andrew have a good week out there everybody and we uh, hope to talk to you again next week thanks for listening a copy of this podcast as well as links to each story covered are available at revelationsradionews.com To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com, and thank you for your support of this podcast. So here's my pledge to you.
I will be a commander-in-chief that will have the back of the military. I won't trash talk. I won't be a divider-in-chief or an agitator-in-chief. I won't be out there blowharding, talking a big, big game without backing it up. I think the next president needs to be a lot quieter, but send a signal that we're prepared to act in the national security interests of this country to get back in the business of creating a more peaceful world. Please clap.